Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. We are glad that you are here. Welcome to The House. Come on, y'all, y'all, ooh. Okay, listen, listen, I'm just tell you, listen, the, the, for the people who are visiting, I don't expect them to go crazy, but for the people that you are here and you know what's coming, come on, listen. I, I, and I will say this, I, when you come to church, you should come expecting. You should come expecting because if you come to church fearful, scared, criticizing, then you don't know it, but your walls are up. And it will take so long for you to get what God wants you to get. you got to come expecting God to move. And let me just tell you, there are two expectations that I hope that you have on your way to church. That's why, listen, some of y'all got to do a little bit of work before you come. Because there's a lot of ministry that's happening not from this podium and stage. There's got to be some people, you know what I'm saying, that, that I, I, I'm turning up my expectation. I believe I'm going to church and I have a reason for going to church. And my, and, my, and my reason for going to church isn't to sit. Here's the expectations that you should have. Number one, God's going to speak to me. Because I'm making room in my life. And the Bible says if I make room, that, 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 that if I seek him, if I seek first, like he's going to add things to me and he's going to speak to me. I can't tell you where it's going to be. It may be in, 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 on the radio before you got here. It could be meeting with someone or hanging out with someone. Does that make sense? And talking to someone and all of a sudden they say something and it was exactly what you needed to hear. It could be worship. It could be the word. But you've got to think God is going to speak to me. Like he's not running away from me. He is waiting for me to stop my life so that he can download it could be next gen ministries and you get in the car and all of a sudden they begin to tell you what God uh, what, what they learned in next gen class and you're like oh my gosh I was just dealing with that and God just starts speaking to you the second thing the expectation that you need to have when you come is you need to believe that God is going to move mountains when I say move mountains what is that what am I talking about the Bible says that if we have faith as a mustard seed, that, that God can move the mountain of obstacles. Listen, helplessness, hurt, and you, somebody is facing an obstacle in the room today. Someone feels like, I have been so hurt that I can't move forward. I've been so hurt that all I can do is back away. And some in the room feel like what I'm going through is so heavy, I'm helpless. But you are not helpless. Hear what I'm saying? You are not helpless. The Bible says that when we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life, then here's the deal. The same spirit that raised Jesus, come on, y'all got to help me, from the grave lives in us. That doesn't mean you always have the answer instantaneously. It means that if by faith you will begin to move and the answer will come. You hear what I'm talking about? And so you're, you're in charge of your expectation. And so, yeah, we work hard. We want the worship to work hard. I'm going to work hard. But here's the deal. Listen, listen, listen. I'm not trying to entertain you. I'm trying to disciple you. There's a difference. I'm trying. My goal is for you to take a shift. And so, I, I probably am going to challenge you. I probably am going to step on your toes. And there will be moments that you will walk out offended. But there's a difference between me trying to offend your flesh and the Spirit of God coming in, listen, and adding conviction that makes you go, okay. Yo, what's up? Ah, uh, You hear what I'm talking about? And so you guys also are an active part of today. You help carry the momentum. So if it's good, say it's good. If it's amen, amen. Don't Come on, get the sleepy out of your eye. Because we're going to work today. You're not coming to sit through a lesson. You're coming to go to work. What are we working in? The Bible says that, 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 
that the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We go into work. This is on-job training, baby. We rolling up and getting in. And so we're so glad that you were here. Real quick, you guys welcome everybody watching online. Come on. One of the values at the house is we like to see people. We're seeing people. That's a value of our church. We want to see you. Hopefully, one of our leaders, one of our people have didn't just like, hey, see a whole area. But we want to see you. Like, we want to look in your eyes. And so, real quick, just so that everybody has seen, look at someone to the left or right and say, I see you. I see you. I see you. What's up? I see you. Here's the deal. The Lord is moving in our church, and we are in a series called On Target. On Target. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to be on target. Like, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into rest. There will be a time when we will leave this body. We will stand before Jesus. We will kneel at the mercy seat, and he will come out. And he will look at our life. Now, because of Jesus, it will cover our wrongs. But that does not mean that we will hear, hear well done. Well done is different. Well done isn't, well done, you got saved. Well done is, you actually used my son's moment to be a catalyst in your life and you begin to shift everything in your life and you actually made sacrifices and you decreased and he increased and, and because of that there was a mark made on the earth by your life so come in to rest because you've been working some well done come on hear me and so for us We've been going over this scripture verse. Now, if, you're, if this is your first time, uh, Sunday here, we're so glad you're here. It's going to be awesome. We hope that you, God touches you in a real way. But if you've been here for the last three or four weeks, we have been talking about this verse. Psalms 103, verse 5. And uh, I'm just going to tell you this, that if you don't know this verse by now, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. This is the fourth, fifth Sunday. Psalms 103 verse 5, 1 through 5 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his, come on, help me, benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities, heals all of your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, and satisfies, everybody say satisfies, you with good so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. We actually believe that if we will wholeheartedly give our life to the Lord, everything that we're trying to seek, God will build in our life. As believers, it is so easy for us to get off target with our relationship with the Lord. And, and we see it time and time again in the Old Testament. Israel, God would, God would bless Israel. He would free Israel. He would see an, a redeemer for Israel. And then after a while when it got good and it got comfortable and gas prices were low, like everybody, went, that's what happened. And then they would fall and they would get into compromise and then they would get in, in bondage and a king would come and be victorious over them and then they would cry out to God, save us again, we've messed up. And God would come in and he would save them. And this is the pattern of mankind. So it's easy for us to lose focus or have our focus shifted from him to me. In fact, we do this with a lot of our relationships. Um, uh, you know, we all have a lot of people in our lives that are blessings. And maybe it's been a long time since you've looked at the people in your life, your mom, your dad, your kids, your grandparents, or whatever. Like, like you're, you're a blessing in my life. And here's what we have found out through the Scripture, is when you actually are self-centered and me first, you actually, your lenses shift and you begin to look at everybody 
through the negative. You become super critical. God's like, listen, I want you to decrease. I will increase. And so then we read 1 Corinthians 13, and it tells us everything that love is. Okay? Love is this, love is this, love is this. What we cannot love when we put on me. Because then my boss, my church, my pastor, my friends, how did everybody treat me? And God is actually saying, listen, if you want to go long in life, that you don't want to be overly anxious and you don't want to be overly stressed, you're going to have to take these lenses off and stop looking at every imperfection in the world and you're going to have to begin to discipline yourself to stay close to the Lord so that you can grow in love. It's not that you don't see the problems, it's that you see them differently. Come on, does this make sense? For you, when we become self-consumed and self-centered, we start seeing our family members even through this negative lens because we are looking through the eyes of me first. Look to the person next to you. Maybe it's been a long time since they've heard you're a blessing. Just tell them, you're a blessing. Go on, you're a blessing. Look at someone, you're a, you're a blessing. Me first decisions... Hinders love. Me first. Hinders love. <laughs> Tell them we'll call them back. All right. When our lenses change, then we begin to think how everything affects me. Well, the organization made some changes, and you know what it's going to do to me? Well, you took that new job, and what's that going to do to me? And, and, and God is like, I have, a, I have a challenge for you. When you are first, you're going to miss the target. You're going to miss the target. You're going to miss the bullseye. And here's the deal. You're going to miss God's best. And so today, I want to just unpack this idea that your feelings aren't first. Because if you're living your life to navigate all your decisions on how you feel, then here's what happens. You actually reduce God, you devalue him, and you distort the true vision that God has for your life. Only the Father knows what's best for you. And that's why you got to get close to him. You make, if you make the decisions primarily on how I feel, on what I want to do, on what, what's good for me, on my ministry, my team, my money, and you begin to live your life in a me-first fashion, then you're not going to get God's best. And so my assignment today is get the vision. Get the vision. Come on, everybody say get the vision. I want to be clear. We do not surrender our life to the Lord to pick it back up again. We surrender our life, and then he starts this transformation process in our life. And, and, and the Bible tells us that many are called and few are chosen. Why? God sent out from heaven Jesus to die on a cross so that anything and every mistake you've ever made could be redeemed. The most horrible things could be redeemed. And there's a call going out. The Bible says that Jesus knocks on your heart. The door of your heart. So you, the, the Bible actually says that you didn't choose him. He chose you. There's been a call go out. But why are there so many called and so few cho chosen? It's because we don't make the transition. And we never take me off the throne. We want to give Jesus a home. We want to be saved from wrong. We want to be saved, but we don't really want to change the throne. And so you can actually be in church for 15 years and appreciate what God did for you, but it only serves me first. Well, yeah, if you're going to die for me and cancel all my bad stuff, I'll take it. I'll take two. I need one for my family and one for like If we're ordering some. But actually, we, we take off this me first, okay? 
And so we don't surrender to God for the benefits. We allow his benefits of love to minister hope to our soul. And his kindness takes care of our brokenness. But you have a bigger role, listen, to play in this world. The vision for every Christian should be that it's your responsibility to activate your faith, elevate your understanding. In other words, know why you come to church, know about the faith that you are trying to live, and elevate your mind because here's what will happen is there is so much freedom available for you, but if we don't know it, we can't walk in it. And lastly, so activate our faith, elevate our understanding, and cultivate the gifts in other people. To, to be used by God. That's getting the vision. Here's what Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. We're going to put it up here for you, but I want you to read this. And I would encourage you to go back and look at this. But Paul is talking about his missionary journey. He is talking about actually probably having to be incarcerated uh, for the faith. And I want you to read this. Look at this. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If, if only I may finish my course in the ministry and receive from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. I want to spend a little bit of time talking here today. And I want to unpack this. We're going to leave that up here for a second because I want you to see it. Paul is saying, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul was an OG. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for, for, for the faith, Paul was the man. Uh, I do not account my life of any value nor of precious to myself. I want to pull out a couple truths that I think will challenge you and help you understand your Christianity. The first is this. Here's a truth from this passage is Paul is saying my life isn't the most precious thing. My life is not the most precious thing. I don't know if you ever watched Lord of the Rings. Anybody ever watched Lord of the Rings? There was a character named Gollum. And uh, he was corrupted by a ring. And his focus was only on what the ring did for him. It twisted his mind and body and moved him and turned him into a monster of evil. Church, when we become self-seeking, self-led, and self-serving, we are corrupt our mind and our body and twist it into something that is unproductive and eventually evil. Come on. We, we are irked. When we see Gollum on, hey, baby. That was a terrible, y'all could do it probably better. You know what I'm saying? I would have you say, look at your neighbor and go, my precious, but that may get freaky. Some of you may actually be good at it. Listen, for us, we see our culture twisting truth in order to just promote self. And so it, it, it's like, Culture is twisting, and so we allow anything that feels good to me. We stand against anybody who hurts us. We are quick to call out abuse. Everything is abuse. Everything. The traffic light people are abusing me because that red light is not 30 seconds. Hear me, we are quick to call out abuse and we have solely made it subjective. If we get our feelings hurt, it's abuse. Instead of people just being wrong, they were wrong. They said the wrong thing, they got mad, they blew it. That isn't how you wanted to act. So you own it. If you offended someone, you repent, you forgive them and you move on. At the house, I want you to know something. We are bringing back mental toughness. You are not able to live in bubble wrap. 
You're going to go through hard things. And if you don't want to go through hard things, listen, don't get married. Don't have kids. Don't have a job. Don't work around imperfect people. Don't. I'm just telling you, come on. Y'all got to help me a little bit. Don't go back to your family. Don't go to Thanksgiving. Live by yourself. Never go outside, and at least the only one that's going to hurt you will be you. Come on. The Bible tells us that we can take every thought captive. And we got some people that are lingering their thoughts and lingering what's going on and lingering what someone said and they're lingering and they're lingering and they're lingering and they're lingering and here's what's happening is you're not walking in victory hitting the target because you're lingering on what someone said that was wrong but our culture loves to use extreme words. We love catastrophizing everything. Think about politics. Every Democrat leader is the Antichrist and every Republican leader is Hitler. And it's been going on that way forever. You think that they're the Antichrist? You know what? Have you read Revelations? You know what the Antichrist does? Have you? Did you read a history book? Do you know what Hitler did? But I feel like they're Hitler, so they are. They're not. No one's putting people in trains and smoking them and killing them. But we have a society now catastrophizing everything. And because, listen, I'm not saying that your feelings aren't real. I'm just saying sometimes your feelings aren't factual. Help me. We've seen this. We see this now in work. We see it in politics. We see it in work. We see it on uh, play it, going to our kids' baseball and soccer games. They're in the third grade. They're not going to the NBA today. Really? That was a lot. Come on. Listen. Extreme things are said because that's the way we feel about it. And listen, abuse now is coming up all the time in leadership, in work, in church, at home. If someone hurts our feelings, they have abused us. And I am not talking about actual abuse. Listen to me. I know there are some people in this place and God's heart breaks for you if you have physically come under sexual abuse, mental abuse. I, I'm not downgrading that. You hear what I'm saying? But all I can tell you is that's why God sent Jesus is to be able to heal that severed, broken part in you. And I don't know, I, I got to just have an honest conversation with you. If we were sitting down face to face, you may never get enough apologies to handle the brokenness that they caused. But Jesus can heal that. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Like God's love can heal that. Today I'm specifically talking about loose and extreme words that describe our situations because of hurt feelings. I mentioned this just a second ago, but we saw this with Will Smith. Slapping the rock, the Chris Rock. We love to justify, you know what I'm saying? Listen, we love to justify what we do by blaming other people for starting the conflict. And at the end, we believe that no matter how we act, it shouldn't rob us from the rewards and the applause of men. Listen, if this life is all you have and you, your life, my prison, my prison. Stop looking like Gollum. Stop treating everybody like Gollum. Stop acting like everybody's stealing your ring. Stop acting like everybody's stealing your success. 
Stop acting like everybody. Like, like that's the whole point of the movie. And here's the thing. If this life is all you have, then it should be precious. And I get it. Anyone who hurts you emotionally and should feel the same pain. We should be out for re- revenge. Anybody who hurts you, we should just run them over. If this is all we got. You should be able to have sex with anybody you want to. Don't worry about covenant or honor or standards. Do drugs, get high, blow your mind. At least it's a small escape from what we actually have. Cheat to win. Like cheat all the time. Cheat on your taxes, cheat on your marriage, cheat on your employer. Cheat in competition. When someone says let's do a three-legged race, get four legs. Kick them when they're down. (laughs) Keep lying Steal whatever you want. Just go shopping in other people's homes. (laughs) Cancel everyone that you disagree with. Fight over every symbol. We fight over symbols now. Because every symbol makes us feel something. Oh, you drive one of those electric cars. (laughs) I know how you vote. Oh, you drive a V8. I know how you vote. Oh, you got vaccinated. You have a mask. Oh, you go to McDonald's. Oh, you go to Ruth Chris. Everything is a symbol. You live over there. (laughs) You live right there. And now we're a mo. We wonder why anxiety is so high because I have to care about everything (laughs) come on the world is full of symbols that are dividing everybody and the reason the church is not strong is because in Acts it says that the strongest the church was is when it was unified and we are not listen we are not going to agree on everything I want it to be 10 degrees colder right now in this room and some of you are literally ISIS hanging from your ears we're not going to all agree do you agree with everybody in your home if you do write a book write a book podcast that bad boy now Because we don't. And so, how do we get along? We've we've got to realize that this life isn't the most precious thing. But Paul was giving us a clue to what was the most precious thing. And the most precious thing in our life is the spirit and active presence of God. Like that's the most important thing and that's the biggest thing. And we want to make sure that God, listen, is present in our life. Paul said... My life isn't the most precious thing. And don't hear what I'm saying. Listen, I know that there are some people in the room that you placed, there was a lot of heaviness placed on you as a child. And when you hear this, I don't want you beaten down and act like your life is not significant because that's not what I'm saying. Are we clear on that? I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that. You are incredibly valuable and God has a plan for your life, right? Okay. So I'm not, you're not hearing me say don't care about yourself. I'm saying don't put yourself first and make everybody submit to every emotional whim that you have. We got to get the vision. The most precious thing that I have is God's active presence in my life. Here's the next thing. We go back to that verse, please, if you don't mind. I just want you to see that I'm taking this from this. Myself, if only that I may finish my course Come on, maybe, you're, maybe you've gone to college and for some reason you didn't get to finish. And I, when I talk to older adults who didn't get to finish, it's amazing how that still comes up in conversation because you knew I wanted to finish it, but for some reason, family, childhood, life, whatever, I didn't get to finish. And I am praying that if that's a desire of your heart that you're able to go back and finish. But I believe that we should feel the same way because God before the foundations of the earth has a course for each one of us. And if you don't finish, you should fill it. Come on. Like, like there, there is an assignment for your life. And here's why you know there's an assignment for your life. God has given each one of us three things. He's given you time. Time. 
He's given you abilities. And he's given you influence. And with these three things, God is expecting you to begin a process. Listen, where you're starting to realize there's an assignment on my life. And my relationship with Jesus. In fact, many of you, over the last year and a half, you've started a relationship with Jesus. And you've started a relationship with the house. And I want to let you know that you got saved and suited up. Like you got a jersey when you got saved. And I need you to wear your jersey. Come on, I I need you to game up. I need you to understand there's an assignment. Come on, my son plays AAO basketball. And if he doesn't do his assignment, he sits on what is called the bench. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, you you got to read a rebound. You can't watch the ball. We got a lot of believers frustrated, and and now they have made themselves the chief critic of churches. But when I ask them, what are you doing for the kingdom? Well, I'm fixing the church. How? I'm criticizing. It's my job to criticize the church. It is? How are you making it better? Well, I'm not. That's not my spiritual gift. And I'm not saying that, listen, we have courageous conversations all the time, and I'm not saying that I'm always right, and and I don't care how much I say up here, I'm not above a courageous conversation. But I'm saying I want to see you doing something for the kingdom, not just watching my game, trying to be a coach in the stands by you ain't even playing. And I hear it all the time from parents who have never played the game frustrated at how their coach is coaching or their kid is playing. And I'm talking about you. I just want you to know that if that happens to be our scenario, I'm not listening. Because I'm listening to people on the team. People who have put on the jersey and let's go. And then, hey, pastor, you know what? That was kind of, we played volleyball together, and that was, kinda, that was actually my ball. I'm sorry, man. Bring it in. My bad. I'll let you. My bad. That was actually your space. I kind of ran over it. That was, that was a little controlling. My bad. Does this make sense? You have a jersey. Don't just show up and celebrate with us. Don't just hit the gym. Come to practice. Show up for the game. Show up when it's hard. Show up when we're losing. Show up when we're winning. Come on. Like you got saved for a reason. And the reason wasn't just to get into heaven. It was to bring heaven. Come on, listen. Here on earth. And Northwest Arkansas needs you. (laughs) Needs you. Well, pastor, I don't know my assignment. I don't even know what my assignment is. Well, you need to be coming to prayer on Tuesday night at 6.30 until you find out. Because the Bible says when you seek, you will find. Or you need to jump into a life group. You need to get some mentoring. You need to get some coaching in your life. So let, let some of our leaders begin to help you. We don't want to control you and we're not trying to fix you. But we would love to see God heal you. And we believe that as healing comes, vision comes. The third thing is this. Paul says this. Will you go back to the verse real quick? Paul says this, look at this, finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. There are some people in this room that you have come through it and you have realized that there is an assignment on your life and there is a ministry in you and you know it. And I'm going to just tell you this, all of you are called into the ministry. I don't care where you work or what you do or how you do it, you are all ministers. Do not think that you need to quit your job and work for the house in order to be in the ministry. You are in the ministry. I don't care if you drive a truck. I don't care if you're a dental hygienist. You are in the ministry. And Paul shows us what he values. And what he values most is the ministry that was given to him. At the house, we believe that because of Jesus, we get to know the Father, 
accept forgiveness, live free, and fuel purpose. And if you're going to stay on target, if the ministry has got to begin to flow out of you, and before the foundations, God has called you, listen, and the enemy has been working to sabotage that plan on your life. I believe that your personality is exactly what the church needs. Some of you are compassionate. Some of you are assertive. Some of you have empathy and you're a wonderful listener. And some of you just like to have fun. And with the way God created you, listen, God is not wanting to change your personality, but he is wanting to mature it. Okay? Maturity is different. The Bible says that when I was a child, I thought like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Well, what's the difference between a child and a spiritual adult? An adult. A child doesn't put stuff in the refrigerator. They take it out. A child is a taker and an adult is a producer. That's the difference. An adult doesn't go to bed without locking the doors or making sure the lights are off or making sure that someone didn't turn the air down upstairs to 61. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, the adult does that. The adult sees something broken and thinks it's their responsibility to what? The child's like, I didn't do it. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, of course it's in my room and it's in my bed and I sleep on it every night, but... I think it was probably my sister's. <laughs> Come on, does, does it make sense? And so if you, listen, as a spiritual adult, it means that you walk into the church of God different and you're like, wow, there's a responsibility on me because we cannot be good enough to entertain childishness. This church is not Chucky Jesus Cheese. It's a place that we all come together in our different backgrounds and adversity and diversity and the way we grew up and you begin to overflow because there's a calling of God on your life and you're a minister. Come on, listen. And you can do that in your job. You can do that on a team. You can do that serving. Does that make sense? And that's the goal. Because we believe that the church should activate its faith, elevate its understanding, and cultivate, listen, the future. We need some fun people. Where are my fun people? Okay, this is how you know you're fun. In the last week, you've generally laughed. Okay? All right, all right. All right. All right. Gen genuinely laughed. Not like, ha-ha, funny. Okay? Like that, that, I wouldn't consider you to be... A fun person. Um, it doesn't mean you can't have fun. It's just you're not bringing the fun. Where are my fun people at? All right, cool, cool. Okay, where are my compassionate people at? Good, awesome. A little less woos, but <laughs> kind of felt that deeply. Where are my assertive people at? <laughs> They're the people that didn't want to say anything. Everybody knows who I am. Listen, there's a place for you in the body of Christ, okay? And so I need you to remember that the ministry that God has for you is for your good and it's for the kingdom of God, and I need you to get the vision. Here's the fourth thing. Going back to this verse, he says this, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, yo, I got to share my story i got to share the story of God's marvelous grace. And if you've been in church any length of time, you've walked through something, there's been an adversity, you've had a moment where God showed up and His kindness was just on your life. And someone called you or talked to you or forgave you or moved you or reached out to you or sent you something or did something. And I just need you to know that that story is incredibly powerful. And it's not the church's job to give you an avenue to share it. It is your job to take on the personal responsibility to share it over coffee, over a contract, over a... Does that make sense? 
have been many times when Eric and I, Eric is running the project over there at the house. He's doing a great job. And so, yeah, y'all give him a hand. Uh, doing a great job. But there's been many times when we've talked about what God has done and the faith story in the process of the building and him stepping out and building his own construction business. And we're talking about faith and Stephen Hill's not there singing. Nathan's not playing the keyboard. The lights aren't down low. It's just, we're just sharing. And I need you to realize that I had about 30 young adults at my house Friday night. And we were talking. And I began to, to just give them a little vision of the DNA of the house. The house, we did not start the house to have massive numbers that was not the goal because here's what we believe healthy things grow and if we'll stay healthy and we'll empower leaders then it will grow because people are are taking it from inside and living it outside and so I'm not saying that we don't want to grow but the model was growth through discipleship not growth through entertainment does that make sense we were not trying to create a crowd. We were trying to create ministers of the gospel. And we needed three things to do that. We needed to open our heart to people. We needed to open our home. And we needed to open our table. And if you are telling me that you cannot minister, I pretty much think you have a heart. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Like you're breathing. Okay? We could all do a Darth Vader. Oh, bye. You have a heart, you have a home, and you have a table. And if you will begin to do that, here's what will happen. Ministry will flow out of you, and you'll have a moment to share your story. Because right now, the reason nobody knows your story is because you're not close enough to anybody who knows it. And that's not our responsibility. It's actually the responsibility of a believer so, you know what? As we grow, I'm probably not going to have everybody at our table because I'm expecting you to open up yours. You have a story to share, and in two weeks is Easter. Two weeks, and we're asking you to invite people, and I already get it. If you put on the me glasses, here's what will happen. <sighs> I just... I would be really nervous. I don't want to get written up. I don't want to do this. I don't know this. I, we have a kind of these cultural values where we don't talk about faith. I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk about this. Oh, what if they say no? What if they don't like church? You know, Stephen, sometimes you're really good, but then sometimes you're really not good. And so I don't want to invite them and you come on a service that you're not any good. And, you know, you say a lot of things that, like, challenge people. And I really am looking. For, if I was going to invite someone, it'd have to be really, like, really, like, ice creamy. And so I, I, I don't want people to come and I invite them and they get offended and they leave and now we don't talk we used to be friends I get it but it's not really about them going to heaven and hell and seeing their life change it's about and I would suggest to you our culture is where it's at is because their churches are full of people It's not full of churches who wear readers. I mean, that wasn't the point. Although it probably is. There are probably a lot of people that read. You got to get the vision. You got to get the vision. This late week, we had two couples help out a family. Just help them out. And you know what? We didn't need a committee to do that. They just did it. And here's the deal. Churches get bigger and here's what happens. People think, well, they d that church doesn't care about me. No, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. Stop. The administrative team is not the care support. We are all the house church, and we are all one body, and every one of you are commissioned to care for people. And if you need me to knight you, I will knight you on this mug. But don't act like, what is the church going to do for me? What? Look around. What you going to do? 
See, we are in a world that loves to make everybody treat us fairly, but in the moment, we don't want to take any responsibility. We want someone else to do it. We advocate it. And God is saying the gospel will advance if we take on the authority of what he's given us, and it's our job. Come on. So I'm going to leave you with these three thoughts. We're going to get out of here. Ben Cohen, come up. How do you get the vision? G-E-T, get. So we broke this down. On, O-N, target, T-R, T-A-R, and then get. G-E-T. So how do you get the vision? You give again. G, you give again. I know many of you in this place have led a life group. I know that you've given to the new building. I know you've served at an outreach. I need you to give again. I need you to give again. I need you to give again. I need you to give, not because I want something from you, but I want something for you. And Paul, it didn't matter if he was stoned, shipwrecked, snake bit, in jail. He said, I got to give again. Why? Because I'm supposed to complete the assignment on my life and I'm called to do ministry. And so I need you life group leaders to actually get better at doing life group. I don't need you to get through life group. I need you to get better at being a life group. I need you to get more loving and more caring. Get in the group me. Care about people. See your people. Hand, high five them when they walk in. Like I need everybody, listen, to get better. Give again. Well, pastor, I tried to do all that and I got someone in my heart. In my, I opened my home. Opened my heart. Had them sit at my table. And I fixed this dip. And nobody ate it. In fact, they didn't like it. That's because it wasn't any good. That's not a rejection on you. Just don't serve the dip. Let's get some chicken nuggets on that bad boy. Like, like let's get a ham roll. But if you're going to open your heart and your home and your table, you are going to get rejected because Jesus walked three years and there was a Judas among them, but he still did the assignment. And I need you to overcome that because you will help a whole lot more people than will hurt you. Come on. We're golfing here. Give again. Do it again. Sign up again. I know they avoid you. I know they won't call you back. I know they canceled you from Facebook. I know they, you gotta, you gotta give again. You gotta give again. Here's the second thing. E. E is you gotta equip others. If you're going to get the vision, you've got to see yourself now as an equipper. In other words, spiritual maturity is you are now the leaders of the church. When you went to church back 15, 20 years ago, you had Mrs. So-and-so and Mr. So-and-so and Mr. Them and Bill and Bob and Boob. But you're now it. Get the vision that you're now it. And when you show up, it matters. Where you sit matters. Because young people are now, you're the person. And it's so weird because when we look at the mirror, we don't really think that we're there yet. Because we always have stuff to work on. Is this right? But you're there. Every junior high person wants to hang out with high schoolers. Every high schooler wants to hang out with a college student. Every college student can't wait to get married. Everybody... Does this make sense? Start equipping others. Give your story. Here's the last one is this. Is you're going to have to touch ministry. Listen, the T is touch ministry. And 26 years ago, I remember I had been sitting in church for about five or six years. And I loved, I'm going to be honest. I didn't practice a lot of the concepts of church, but I liked the people of church. Anybody with me on that? And I would show up and I would think that they were friendly and they were good and they were awesome. And I'd maybe take a few little steps, but I would get back in my painful cycles of being dumb. And uh, 26 years ago, I signed up to work a summer camp and I was not 100% healthy. I had a whole lot of daddy issues. I had a whole lot of brokenness. I was still working through my adoption and all of this stuff that's happened to me. But I took a step and I signed up to work an eight-week, nine-week summer camp. And what happened is it began to flow out of me. 
and I begin to say, okay, God, even though I'm not there yet and I, I, I got some issues and I got some struggles and I got some battles, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to take one step. And here's what happened is my hunger started to grow and I started to come to church for a different reason because I needed to, something to pour out. And I started to listen to podcasts and read books and something clicked in me where I realized in order for me to continue to give to people, I needed some gas. And all of a sudden, every freedom thing that has happened in my life is because I realized there was a responsibility in me for other people. Katie and I, the last two years, have been working on freedom in our life. You don't want to know why? Because now we have staff really close to us. And there's some things that, you know what, we got to get right. But we're always working. See, the res- if you live your life without any responsibility in your faith, you will come to church for 30 years, and the only thing that you'll have is salvation. And I'm telling you, that's wonderful. It's beautiful. But you could make a difference in somebody's life. And if we don't catch that vision, then we are not really part of the answer. So I want to do something real quick as we end. Katie, come on up here. Matthew chapter 10 verse 39 says this. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Okay, thank you for the five people who can read. Come on. We'll do what? That's what I want for you. Like, I want you to find it. I want you to find it. I don't care how young you are, old you are. I don't care if you're Hispanic, black, or white. I don't care if you're Asian. I don't care. I just want you to find life. I want you to find it. And I want to see God do something great in your life if you'll find it. But it only comes one way. Come on. Do it again. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.